Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 217, BGG Hotness, April 2019. We'd like to thank our Patreon backers, Windbag Miles, Michael, Anthony, and Jordan. You all rock! Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. Anthony, are you already all set for our spoilerific Avengers, Game of Thrones, and Star Wars trailer review? <laughs> I mean, I think if we already recorded what we were already talking about, sure. But um, <laughs> I don't know if we could go through it again. So you guys, Game of Thrones, here's what happens. <laughs> like, <laughs> No, no, don't worry, no spoilers, but the, the kind of the talk of the town right now, Star Wars just released a trailer, we're totally hyped about that, Game of Thrones, the first episode is out, super, super great that that's finally back, and Avengers is going to hit any day now, so a lot of good stuff happening, and like tangentially related board gaming stuff, but not to worry, we're not going to spoil anything, it's a lot of real fun stuff. You know, we, we dabble. We dabble in all the many <laughs> nerd-like hobbies. We only record the board game-related nerd-like hobbies for you guys. True. but Because otherwise, it's just spoilers after spoilers. It's Well, if you actually do want to hear that stuff, maybe. Maybe we could talk about that stuff at another time. Maybe on some Patreon-backed episodes that are locked away and safe from those people who haven't got a chance to listen to all that good stuff yet. But... You know, we'll talk to our patrons and see if they actually like us to blab about that for a couple of hours. We could certainly do that. So obviously, thanks to our patrons for helping us bring a, you a brand new episode. And we have so much going on with BGA. We, let's jump into it, Anthony. There's no time to talk about any of the other cool stuff that's happened in Geekdom. Let's get on to our Patreon contest and let's award a winner a new game. Yes, yes. Yep. Every week we give away a game to one of our Patreon backers at the producer level or higher. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody out there who has backed us, including all the people Chris mentioned at the top of the episode who joined us in the last week. Last week's winner is Keith. Keith, we announced last week we hit him up and he is getting a copy of Charterstone. So we'll get that on its way to him. Uh, this week's winner is Jeremy C., uh, our second Jeremy to win, different Jeremy, but our second Jeremy <laughs> in the last couple of months. Jeremy will get a message here in the next 24 hours or so, and he'll get to choose a game from that list as well. So if you want in on that, patreon.com slash BGA and uh, pay producer level or higher. But of course, any backing helps and uh, really helps put on the best show possible. Yeah, so if you happen to be a Jeremy out there or any Jeremy related name, definitely check out patreon.com backslash bga as anthony said it helps us a great deal and helps us do a lot of great things in the board gaming community your support means so much and if you can't financially support us please share the podcast with other people that means so much to us because it allows us to do a lot of really incredible things including our upcoming charity board game day now we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks. And if you go to Facebook or if you go to our website, boardgamersanonymous.com, you'll find complete information about our charity board game day. There's going to be games. There's going to be an auction. It's going to be raffle, food, prizes, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you happen to be in the New Jersey area on May 4th, of course, may the 4th be with you, check us out because we're going to have a lot of really fun stuff. We're working with a lot of local board gaming stores, including the only game in town. And they're going to be providing us with 
things to raffle off, things to auction off, free comic books, a whole bunch of really great stuff. Not to mention, Anthony and I will be there. So if you haven't got a chance to sit down at the table with us, this would be the perfect time. And once again, thanks to everyone who's supporting this great hobby and this great charity to support people in need. People don't have food locally and people who don't have education internationally. It means a lot. All right, Anthony, so that's what's going on with our charity event. I know you're pretty stoked about that coming out back to New York and going to be playing some games. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I get to hop on a train, head over for a few days, get a, a day full of board games. Not something I get to do almost ever. So I'm pretty psyched for that. All right, Anthony, so if people do come down to our charity board game day or if they're at their own board game day how could they let other people know about the podcast well they could wear some sweet sweet bga merch what uh, <laughs> i know so this has been on my to-do list for well i guess as long as the podcast has been up <laughs> and i finally got this put together we have a red bubble shop and you can go there and at the moment right you just we just have the different variants of our logo um so you can get the meeple a in black or white or the bga in black or white and there's all sorts of options hoodies t-shirts sweatshirts some cups all sorts of cool stuff so if you are interested in representing bga hit up the website boardgamersanonymous.com and click the merch button in the top of the site and it'll take you there to redbubble redbubble is a pretty commonly used uh website where you can kind of upload your own artwork and they will print on demand um all these cool things and it also helps out the show a little bit we get a little bit of that back so if you're interested, uh, if you want to represent uh, BGA, whether you're coming to the charity event or just hanging around your house, we now have the merch shop up and hopefully here in the next few weeks, uh, we'll have some new designs up as well. All right, Anthony. So that's everything that's going on with BGA. There's a lot of great goodness out there. Again, thanks to you, all our friends for helping us make this all possible. Charity events, board game giveaways, and hopefully we raise enough money so we'll be able to get to see you at the next conventions. All right, Anthony, so that's what's going on with us. What's going on with our listeners? What's our question of the week? All right, yeah, so I asked the listeners, and this is a common topic that comes up, what's a long out-of-print board or card game that you'd like to see make a comeback with updated modern mechanics? This is a common thread of late. We get games coming back like Brass and bright, shiny new editions with upgraded rules or restoration games bringing back all these classics from our, the 80s that we played as children. So I asked everybody what they would be most interested in. Um, we did get a few people mention the, the classics like Hero Quest, Dark Tower, a few games that are out of print but haven't been out of print for that long. Chaos in the Old World, um, some licensed stuff that's just not going to come back probably anytime soon. Uh, Michael mentions Rococo that just wants a reprint and that's not particularly old although it is surprising it's still not in print some of the other options here though uh george mentions uh, the tmnt rpg it's been out for a little bit of time so be interested to bring that one back scott mentions divine right ancient lost game of my youth He's, he calls it donald says age of renaissance uh dave mentions that he'd love to see the 3.5 D D books come back i'm sure a lot of people would love that <laughs> these days. They're not in print anymore. Lots of good options here. Ginkopolis is another one that's not super old, but has been out of print for a while and just doesn't seem like it's coming back. So lots and lots of games out there. I think people would love to see. It is a much smaller list than it used to be. A lot of games have kind of resurged recently, I feel like. For me, like StarCraft has always been at the top of my list. And it's a bit of a cheat because Forbidden Stars was released with those mechanics updated 
fits the question. I just didn't necessarily like the uh, 40k theme. So I'd love to see the StarCraft game <laughs> come back. That'd be great. Yeah, same for me, too. I'm a big StarCraft fan, played a lot of that RTS. And unfortunately, I haven't seen the game at the table because it's out of print. I know our friend Dave has a copy. He's a huge StarCraft fan, a big Zerg player, actually. Forbidden Stars kind of came out. I wasn't really hyped for the theme, so I kind of let that pass. And I kind of regret that now because anything that plays with that mechanic would be excellent. For me, and once again, I know this is kind of a cheat because Star Wars Risk is out there. But Queen's Gambit is a game I actually got to table recently. Once again, thanks to our friend Dave. And you know what? It's fantastic. I can't believe I'm saying this. It's fantastic. It's something in the Star Wars prequel trilogy that I absolutely love. And I was just kind of blown away by it. It's a two-player game. And if you remember the original prequel movie, it's all about those different areas that happen in the kind of the finale. So there's a situation where Anakin's flying around and there's all these troops on the ground and there's all this battling. And it seems like a lot. It looks like a lot. It's a lot on the table. But in fact, it's really fun and interesting, engaging and streamlined for a game of its age. So I would love to see a big Queen's Gambit out there, either with the Star Wars theme, maybe use it utilizing the new movies. That would be great because just Star Wars Risk really doesn't do enough for it. All right, so that's our question of the week. If you'd like to reach out to us, don't forget our social medias everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Board Gamers Anonymous. I just found out we have an Instagram account. Go fig. There is a lot of ways to get in contact with us. Board Game Geek, we have a guild up there. Obviously, you're listening to the podcast, whether it's on a podcast player or YouTube. Please like, subscribe, do all the things that you know society tells you should do to be cool. For some reason, I don't know, but nonetheless, connect with us so that we can connect back with you and bring you the best in board gaming. All right, Anthony, so let's get on to our acquisition disorders. What do you have up for us this week? All righty. Yes, I have a new solo game that uh, it's in the Oniverse series. Is it a hand solo game? Uh... <laughs> huh? huh? So- huh? Sorry, Jason. Sorry for my friend here. <laughs> solo jokes. Oh, you're alone. I know what I'll name you, Han Solo. (laughs) I didn't make Uh, that up. That came from the movie, man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Star Wars Wars has some cringy moments. That's what it's known for. All right. Yep. (laughs) Now, the other side is Solo, the less cringy version of games that I like to play alone at home when I can't get out to a game group. And some of those little quick small box games and some of the early ones that got me into solo gaming are the Oniverse games from Shadi Torbay. And he has a new one, Arion, which I believe ships this week, actually. And I, I knew about this game, but I had not talked about it here yet. And I did not know it was coming out this quickly. So excited for it, even though of the three other ones that I have, I like one of them. One of them is OK. And the other one I'm not a huge fan of. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then the fourth one, I really haven't played all that much. So this one is uh, similar to those games it's a small box 25 dollars box a game uh it is plays one to two players but really most people play it solo and this one has dice so you're rolling dice to try to generate blueprints to get the materials you need to basically build your ships and fly them away thematically it probably doesn't make a ton of sense the artwork is very in line with his other games kind of very ethereal dreamlike similar to the other games comes with multiple expansions in the box that 
either change the game a little bit or make it harder. Uh, some of them are usually good. Some of them are usually not. We'll see how it turns out. I'm always excited when he releases a new game, though, because it's just a new, interesting spin on solo stuff. As long as it doesn't take too long to set up and doesn't give you too much of a headache, um, which are issues with some of his games, I will definitely be picking this one up. Um, Oni Rim is still one of my most played games, period, app or otherwise. So uh, pretty excited for this one. Arion. Yeah, you know, I'm not a solo gamer, but I've played many of the games in this series and they're pretty solid. I mean, they definitely have a unique art style that kind of borders on David Lynch meets, I don't know, Dixit. But it, <laughs> that uh, works. it's 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 definitely something you should check out if you haven't played solo games. For me, I think it's probably the best introduction into solo gaming just because the game is built as a solo game and it it works really well into that point because a lot of games these days are like, hey, it comes with a solo component to it. I'm like, yeah, it really does it. You just kind of tack that on. But this game is a solid solo game, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and there there are a few games that are solo only, but not that many. And some of them are a little heavier to get into than others. Like the base version of any of these Oniverse games is quick. They're like five, six pages of rules and you're in there, you're playing the game. So that's why I love them. They're quick and easy to get into. And then they have a lot of flexibility that kind of builds out from there. So yeah, I think this is a good one. And um, I will report back in in a couple of weeks once I've actually played it, whether it's any good or not. <laughs> sure. And we should mention that if you'd like to learn more about solo games or co-op games, you should check out our sister podcast, Every Night is Game Night, which hosts our very own Anthony Chaffield. Ah, see, he's on the podcast, see? We, we got him here. Yeah. <laughs> I do double duty uh, sometimes. Actually, Jason tends to host it more often than I do these days, but I am on there uh, every month or two. And we kind of started that thing together. So it, it's a fun time. I, I do play a lot of solo games. More on the Euro side, Jason's more on the co-op side, and we kind of come together and chat about all things solo and co-op, and sometimes neither of the above, but they kind of fit our our thematic interests. All right, so that's your acquisition, Anthony. I got something that's a little outside the podcast, just like you this week. This is 18 Chesapeake, the birth of American Railroads, an introductory 18 X board game. Woo! <laughs> oh man yeah so i woke up this morning and my my phone posted an alert that our friend chris who's been on the podcast previously a while back he backed this game on kickstarter now which is an 18 double x game so i definitely had to check it out because 18 double x games has not been my cup of tea and our friend chris and eddie play the game play these games a lot but it's generally something that I kind of stayed away from for a number of different reasons. And in particular, because it's a very different type of game. I like Euro games, I like thematic games. And this looks like something that you would be punished by playing. But nonetheless, we have our good friends who enjoy the game a great deal and just speak so highly about it that I've always been kind of lurking around the corner, seeing if there was a game like this that I could actually play. So why am I bringing this to you? Because 18 Chesapeake is actually kind of built as a gateway 18 double X game. So if you haven't played an 18 double X game, basically it's a railroad game with stock investments. So it's not like you have your own railroad and you're building it up and you're trying to get the most victory points possible like Euro games typically are. Here, players act as investors 
and they're trying to found these railroad companies, buy and sell stocks and build up their investments and then collect dividends. And basically, you're trying to gain the most money possible by managing and selling these different products as things go on. And these 18, whatever the other letters that follow it, represent what era of the railroad system is being built in what area the railroad system is being built on. So if that's a kind of like a little kind of like, I would say, non 18 double X gamer talking about 18 double X, but I went a step further and I asked a friend, Chris, if he would just jump in for a second. And he actually wrote me something to kind of quickly let you guys know about. So he said, I am backing 18 Chesapeake for two reasons. First, it's the perfect introductory 18 double X title. It appears to play in under three hours. Now I have I have to jump in there and mention that. One of the reasons why I typically stay away from 18 double X games is because they typically run six, eight, 12, 600 hours. I mean, I'm not even kidding. They run a very, very long time. <laughs> so that's a big investment of time here. So this game claims to run about three hours, which is relatively short. So it runs under three hours while not deviating from the rule set of 1830. Now, 1830, I'll jump in here again, is typically thought of as a entry-level introductory 18 double X game. Going back to Chris, which lets me bring it to local game stores on a weeknight, something other titles won't allow me to do. Not only is it short in playtime, but the train progression mechanics means that many awkward situations new players find themselves in are mitigated some of the risk in poison trains while still giving players interesting decisions. Second, All Aboard Games has been an institution in both the 18XX community and the indie board game publishing community. I think supporting them is the single best way to get fun and interesting games made that would otherwise die on the vine due to lack of mass appeal. So I'm going to look at this and maybe even back it. And our good friend Chris, who's already a backer and a big 18XX player, is already back in this game. So if you have thought about playing or even just taking a look at an 18 double X game, 18 Chesapeake, the birth of American railroads, introductory 18 double X board games is already backed and the campaign and will run until Monday, May 20th. All right, Anthony. So that's our acquisition disorders. Let's get on to the games that are actually hitting the table. Let's let people know if they should buy those games and they should pick them up if they should sit down and play those games, if they should dodge those games at all costs, and possibly if they should burn those games because they take 300 hours to play. <laughs> Let's not burn anything this week. We haven't played an 18xx game yet. so Not yet, uh, we haven't. <laughs> not yet, no. Maybe soon, maybe soon. All right, so I played a much, much shorter game this week. I uh, played it a couple times. It's called Bumuntu. It is from WizKids, um, designed by Tim Blank, and it is a pretty easy to get into uh, tiling. And I, I don't want to say abstract; it's not quite an abstract game. But the basic idea is you're moving a little marker around these different tiles and capturing them based on the animals printed there. So here's how the game works: you start with a grid of 64 um, tiles. There are eight sets of eight of different animal types and the game comes with 10 sets you're only ever going to use eight of them you place them randomly all over the board which takes probably longer than it takes to play the actual game it's just setting this thing up and each of these tiles represents a different type of animal which is printed on your little screen in front of you and they each have a special ability so like a lion if you're standing on a lion you can move three 
uh, exactly three in any direction. If you're standing on a tarantula, you can move one or two and then move a tile from one place on the board to another place that's empty. So all the animals have this special ability and it's based on where you're standing. And then once you move off of that tile, you take the tile that you were standing on. So it's uh, kind of reminded me a little bit of like, hey, that's my fish, but with like special powers on the ice flows almost. Also, you can't get like cut off and floated away. So less cutthroat. There are some here that like influence other players where you can push people or pull them in different directions. There's a the snake, there's the uh, the crocodile. And, and these are interesting because they're, you can move somebody off a tile that you want or toward a tile that you don't want or that they don't want, but there's not that much interaction. They're like just enough. Plus, obviously, you're competing over the tiles to make sure that, you know, the game's not just multiplayer solitaire. The the way the game scores is very interesting as well. So you have the eight tiles at the beginning based on the eight animals that you chose. You shuffle them up and you place them on the board. And each spot on the board represents a different possible scoring. So the top one is two points per tile. Then it's seven for the most and four for the next most and six for the most and three for the next most, all the way down to, I think, three and one. So the higher you are on this board, the more the tiles could be worth if you have them. But there is one tile or two tiles, I'm sorry, for each different type of animal. So 16 on the board total that allow you to move those things. So if you take one of those tiles, they have a darker background, you can flip the position of two of the scoring mechanisms. So the game becomes like this push and pull of you trying to get the, the ones you're collecting into the right position to score the most. There's no negative points, so you never have to worry about that. But if it's worth less, you score less, then you lose. There's also some symbols on some of these tiles that have like statues that you can collect for additional points, um, spiritual symbols that add up for additional points at the end as well. So it is very much a set collection, but with like a moving target on which sets are worth the most points, which is very interesting. And it makes for a lot of pretty cool interaction. I didn't know what I was going to think of this game. Uh, it seemed kind of light and honestly, like just another kind of abstracty game. But at the end of the day, I liked it quite a bit. I mean, it has a lot more interaction than you typically see in these types of games, you know, similar to maybe like an Azul where you can do various things that hurt other people if you're creative and time things properly. The scoring constantly changing is very, very interesting because you always have to kind of think ahead and position yourself in a way where if somebody flips something, it doesn't hurt you too much. Do you want to diversify? Do you want to stock up on all the elephants and hope that you can keep that elephant scoring marker at the top? It's a lot of things to think about and keep track of, but the game's only 15 minutes long, so it's not like this huge, big, long strategy game. I like it. I like it a lot. It's It kind of fits into that gap of like a photosynthesis or Azul, where it's like a multiplayer abstract type of game with a decent amount of interaction, uh, but not quite as mean as those as those games can be. So very close, like a borderline buy for me. I really like this game quite a bit. I think it'll hit the table a lot because it is so accessible, easy to teach. I'm going to you know give it a go with my kids and see if they like it. The only downside to it is that it takes a decently long time to set up. And if you play it and then want to play it again, you got to set it all up again. You got to flip all those tiles over and sort them and pull all the different animals apart. Pick which eight you want to choose and put them all out again. It's a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of a faster way to do that, but it, it does take a while. It can be a little frustrating. Um, it's a small complaint. Component quality is great. Uh, game quality is really good and not something I would expect from WizKids. So 
check out Bamuntu. It kind of reminds me of Dragon Castle meets Hive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 a pretty interesting idea. I mean, you you are hopping or like it's very intuitive. You move your guy, and then wherever you moved from, you take that tile, you add it to your thing. So. But unlike a, hey, that's my fish, where if you land on a thing, you know you're going to get it. In this game, someone could move you off of it. It doesn't happen that often, but they can. And you just kind of have to plan for that, which is kind of cool. All right, another game that takes quite a long time to set up, but really is a lot of fun, is Clank, The Mummy's Curse. This is an expansion to Clank. If you haven't played Clank before, basically it's a deck-building game in which you are raiding, in this case the mummy's pyramid in order to steal these really fabulous relics, which are going to be worth victory points and pick up some victory points from these random little idols and, and items as you go along and then run out before the dragon causes so much damage to you that you do not make it out. Do not score points really, really bad. If you're on the bottom side of that pyramid, if you do reach the top side of the half, you're going to score some points Although, you in this game, you do have to deal with the mummy, which is a new element to Clank. Now, in The Mummy's Curse, same thing like Clank. You're rushing down. You're playing cards for movement. You're playing cards to unlock things. You're playing cards to be able to whack monsters along the way. But in this game, the mummy plays a role. So you'll have this little mummy wood token that moves around in the game. And you have this D4, which you're going to roll and determine where the mummy pops up, who the mummy curses... And then those are going to be negative victory points added to your total in the game. Now, there are ways to get rid of curses. And this game also comes with an additional deck of cards that are going to really kind of allow the mummy to move around, curse people, take away curses, and do a lot of kind of new and interesting things. So if you play Clank, you basically played Mummy's Curse without the mummy kind of running around and cursing people. This is a decent expansion if you already like Clank. It doesn't play any differently than Clank other than the mummy. So if you like Clank, I would recommend this game as a play. Basically, Clank with a different board and a little extra mechanic added to it. There really isn't much more to say to this. The components and the cards especially are a little low-grade quality, especially when you have to mix the mummy deck in with the regular deck. There really isn't iconography that lets you separate those cards easy and some of the backgrounds is really basically the only thing you can go by so not great card quality yet again from renegade games but you already know that because you picked up or played clank at some point before now not only did i get a chance to play clank the mummy's curse but i got to play with an additional expansion this expansion is called clank legacy acquisitions incorporated Upper Management Pack. Now, if you're not familiar with Acquisitions Incorporated, which I wasn't, basically what we're talking about here is a little RPG live stream, Twitch stream creation from Penny Arcade in conjunction with D&D. And so basically what you have here is you have a little team of explorers. They're made up of a classic D&D crowd going down to explore. So what this expansion adds is basically a small starting deck for each player that replaces the basic deck that everyone gets. This is pretty cool because you will have unique cards that only you have. There aren't a lot of them, and really that's the disappointing part to this expansion. There really isn't enough in your initial starting hand that really differentiates your player character or class. It's just basically one or two cards that you kind of like 
maybe you lose a clank, maybe you have some sort of minor special ability, but it really doesn't do much. Basically, why you're picking this expansion up is because it comes with miniatures. So not only do you get a little pack of cards, but you also get miniatures in the game. The problem with the miniatures is that they're not miniature. They're pretty large for the board game. They basically didn't think about the board game so much. They basically just made miniatures. So when you play with the characters on the board, as they move to the different rooms, they're typically covering up the tokens. So other players probably wouldn't even know that there's tokens underneath there. So throughout the game, we kept moving the miniatures going, oh yeah, there's another token under here. I had no idea because the miniatures are so huge they kind of block everything else in that particular area. Not to mention, you really can't fit a lot of characters in the same spot, and that happens a lot of times. So for Clank, Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated, Upper Management Pack, I'm going to give it a dodge. It just really doesn't add much of anything to the game. It causes more problems than it helps, and it's really disappointing because this would be a fantastic addition if they added some cards and they shrunk down the miniatures. Yeah, I haven't played with the... Uh... The Acquisitions Incorporated pieces yet. I, I did play The Mummy's Curse, and I remember thinking, hey, this is more Clank. <laughs> yeah, Clank. I don't, like, it all runs together for me, all these different expansions, the underwater stuff and that one, even the space one, which all I remember about that is, this is less good yes. Clank. Uh, I don't... It's... Uh, nothing really stands out enough to be any more than just what it already is, which is fine. I mean, the game is fine. It's good, but... Um, it doesn't leave a lasting impression is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Look, I, I think Clank from the very beginning was a very smart idea, bringing deck building back, putting a board to it. You're basically playing Ascension and some dungeon crawl. So bravo. But as you mentioned, it's just fine. It's, it's not bad. It's just okay. And if you're looking for an okay kind of random game where the cards kind of play. I mean, jump back, listen to our episode about Clank. There really isn't anything different here. This is all based upon how you feel about Clank. This doesn't really add anything more to it. So if you didn't like Clank before, or if you just kind of like, eh, it's still a, eh, it really doesn't go much further than that. All right, Anthony. So that's everything that's hitting our table. Now let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are talking about the hottest games on Board Game Geek April 2019. All right, yeah. So these are the games that are currently, currently hot. Um, it's a big Kickstarter week this week as well. So there's a few games in here that might be uh, related to that. Uh, and a few others that will jump up as you listen to this that maybe we didn't talk about just yet. But let's kick things off with number 15, Sanctum. This is the new game from Czech Games Edition by designer Philip Nedek who did Adrenaline, which is, I think, one of the most underrated games of the last few years. People just don't get this one out much, but it's really, really clever. This one, I don't know if it'll be as clever. It looks like a big box of miniatures and dice, but they claim some interesting you know, twists on those mechanics. Honestly, from the cover and the cards, it looks like Diablo the board game, which I'd be totally cool with. It comes out this year at Essen, and it is up here because people will be talking about it right now. Number 14 is an oldie and a goodie. Not that old, but, you know, it's been on here for a while. Uh, Spirit Island. Spirit Island is, well, it's Spirit Island. It's the best co-op game ever made, in my opinion. And I don't know of a reason it's up here other than the fact that it's very popular. And um, they're still working through getting those expansions out for people. Uh, next up, number 13 is Hellboy, the board game. This was on Kickstarter a while back. Uh, it's a co-op 
miniatures board game. Surprise, surprise. Um, you're taking on different characters in the BPRD. So Hellboy, Abe Sapien, Roger the Homunculus, all that good stuff. And kind of running through different stories from the famous um, comic book series. It's got the comic book artwork. It looks fantastic. As a fan of the comics, I was very tempted by this, and it is just now shipping to people. So that's why it's up here. Hopefully get a chance to play it at some point and let you guys know what we think. Uh, next on the list, number 12, is Escape Plan. This is the new Vital Lacerda game that was kickstarted last year and is currently shipping to backers. My copy arrives tomorrow. So uh, this is another one that hopefully I'll be playing and letting everybody know about in the next couple, three weeks. But it is, quote-unquote, Lacerda's light game at a 3.7. So <laughs> we'll see how this one turns out. Um, haven't had a chance to try or demo this yet, but very, very excited to give it a go. Every new Lacerda is a, an experience to be had. Number 11 on the list is On Mars, Vital Lacerda's other game that is going up on Kickstarter this week. Actually, as the day this episode comes out. So if you're a Lacerda fan, get over there, check it out. As a huge fan of like games about space and Mars in particular, and with Lacerda being probably my favorite designer in the last few years, this game is an instant back for me. I don't really care what it costs, and I don't really care what the extra pieces are. I'm backing this game. So that's, that's all there is to say about that. Uh, we'll hopefully get a chance to play it in like a year or so when it finally ships and let you know if it's any good. But it's Lacerda, it's Ian O'Toole, it's Eagle Griffin, and the big deluxe you know package that they do for his games. And I don't know how you could go wrong with all that. All right, number 10 on the list terraforming mars and why is terraforming mars on here uh it's always on here but also a new expansion is on kickstarter this is the first terraforming mars content to go to kickstarter because it's the first one released since indie board and cards quote unquote bought or merged with stronghold games however you want <laughs> to define that so uh the, the new expansion turmoil goes up is up on kickstarter as you're listening to this and I don't know what the extras are, the extra bits, the, you know, stretch goals and all that. Hopefully there's something good in there. But for now, we have to pre-purchase this game. Apparently. Boo! Boo! Yeah. <laughs> uh, if it's the same high price and low production quality and they're making me pay six months in advance, I might be a little annoyed. Number nine, Root. So Root uh, had brand new expansion was up on Kickstarter um, through March. And that uh, has bumped it up in the in the the rankings here especially because they released the print and play of all the content that's in there so a lot of people printing that out giving it a go testing it trying out the new automas that are being built i 100 back to this super looking forward to it this is one of my games of the year last year definitely hoping for some more good content with these two new factions next up we have dungeonology uh the expedition if you've been on BGG at all this week, you'll have seen the ads for this game. So it is currently on Kickstarter. It is raising a whole bunch of money. I think it's, at, as we record, like 250,000 euros. So, you know, the usual for a miniatures game. Doesn't have a whole lot outside of what you'd see in a fairly standard dungeon crawler. Um, does have a few unique mechanics that it claims to implement, but at the end of the day, it's tiles, it's miniatures, it's a giant box of stuff, and people eat that up. So <laughs> if you're one of those people, hop on over and check it out. Next on the list, this is probably my most exciting one right now because I just got it in the mail like two days ago. Uh, Batman 
Gotham City Chronicles. This is shipping out to everybody uh, from Monolith. And not only is it just a tremendous production, huge amount of stuff, so many miniatures, all this Batman content. It's based on the Conan rules, which were great. Um, had a chance to play it before, so I kind of have an idea of what I was getting into here. But the the sheer amount of stuff they managed to produce, and they got it done not only on time, but a little bit early and out to backers' hands is astounding to me. So Monolith, you guys are doing something right. Uh, I'm definitely hoping to get a chance to play this a few times here in the next couple months because they have a season two going up in June, and I want to know if that's something I have to be careful about financially. They haven't really said what's going to be in that yet, but right now Batman is very, very high up here and probably be jumping up higher as more people get it. All right, next up on the list is Hunt the Ravager. This is the new Kickstarter for Colossal Games. Um, it's launching also on April 18th, so the day you're listening to this. The game's been around on BGG for a couple of years now. The you know I know the designer's been trying to get it out there, and finally it's got a launch date. And Colossal's doing it. Colossal's done a lot of great stuff lately. Kind of their big hit, their big hit has been Western Legends, which is doing really well for them. So this is one to keep an eye on as well, especially if you like Colossal games. Next on the list, and this is one I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about just because it's not really a game. So if you've been on BGG, you've seen this up in the top of the hotness, unpublished prototype. Now, this is what they put up if people want to talk about a game that maybe they played at a con or a game that hasn't been released yet or rumors about a game. So all the threads kind of go here. And the reason it's in the top of the list is not because of some hot new prototype, it's because of a game that was going to be published by uh, GMT Games, Scramble for Africa, and GMT decided not to publish the game. So there was a whole heck of a meltdown over this game not being published on the forums. The president of GMT sent out this letter about, you know, people pointed out to us there's some issues and they decided to take it down. And... Uh, some people are very angry about that. And people on the other side are very angry that those people are angry. I haven't really dug into this deep enough to have like a nuanced position on this, but I will say Scramble for Africa is a game about literally about the scramble for Africa, <laughs> like the 1800s effort to carve up Africa by the colonial powers of Europe. And therefore, the way it was presented, at least in the marketing materials and what little information we had about the game was didn't seem to be all that nuanced or careful in its representation of the theme. And so it just seemed to be a game about glorifying and abstracting colonialism. So some people don't like that. And other people are angry that, you know, something got taken down. It is, uh, I don't know, it's an interesting situation because there's a lot of games that kind of hit on this theme. What do you think? I agree with everything that you said, Anthony. I think it's a disappointing situation for everyone involved. And yet at the same time, it's a good discussion to have because sometimes we don't recognize the privilege that we have as board gamers or as people of privilege to the point where we can't always recognize the fact that there are forms of entertainment and there are times in history where that privilege has blinded us to the suffering of others to our own pleasure. So while I appreciate the discussion here, I think that there is a bigger issue here. And I think that it's extremely important that every game allows everyone to feel comfortable at the table 
and that we don't engage in historical reenactments, no matter how abstract they may be, that marginalize and takes advantage of a people. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you know we've had these discussions previously, and we want everyone at the table, and games should do that. And that's pretty much in a nutshell what we're not finding here. We're finding a company that wanted to bring a game to the market, and I'm sure with all the best intentions, and maybe even the designer with all the best intentions in the world, and a conscious public said, you know what, it's probably not the best thing to bring this game out publicly. Let's not do that. And that's not censorship. That's just the market speaking for itself. And I'm sure this game will see the light of day in hopefully a different type of thematic format. And I hope that gamers understand that there's so many great games out there that could bring more people to the table, more people to the hobby, and don't have to represent such a terribly sad part of our, you know, humanity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's very well said. All right. So that is number five. And if you're wondering why that's there, that's why. The unpublished prototype kind of represents, they removed the game from um, the system and they dumped everything here. Uh, moving on, for the, the remaining four games in the BGG hotness. Number four is Gloomhaven. It's the number one game. It's always up here. There's no reason why other than it's Gloomhaven. So I have nothing to offer on this one. Uh, Wingspan, also just the hottest game of 2019 so far, jumped all the way to number 76 in the top 100 rankings already and has just been up here consistently and probably remain here until the game's finally in print and easy to find. Number two is a newer game announcement, and that is Folding Space. Now, Folding Space is a new game coming out relatively soon this year from Alan Moon and Bobby West, artwork by Vincent Tutuat. And the idea of the game is you have this little board that kind of folds in different directions, and that's how you choose your actions. So the basic mechanics of the game are fairly simple. It's a 30 to 45 minute game, relatively light. You're like space pirates or something. But the cool thing, the interesting mechanism is that you are folding this little board and it has all these different icons on it. And then you will reveal which icons you are going to use to take actions and do things. And this is all done simultaneously. So it's a very clever idea. It kind of reminds me a little bit of smartphone where you have these different tiles that you can manipulate to decide which actions you're going to take, but taken to like the nth degree because it folds over itself. So I'll be interested to see how that plays. Game looks a little light for me, but that mechanic could be really cool in a lot of different places. Number one, the last one here at the top of the list, this game comes out this week as well. And that is The Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-Earth. This is the new big box exploration descent slash Mansions of Madness style game from Fantasy Flight set in the Lord of the Rings universe. It is app driven. So there's a lot of conversation around the game. People who are like, never. People who are like, I don't care. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this one kind of lands. If you look at it already, there you know, some reviews are swinging in either direction because anytime there's an app-based game, people get mad about it. Just don't play it. You don't have to play it. It's not for you. It's fine. The game will be out this week, though. I'm hoping to get a chance to play it. I know a couple people who are picking it up and uh, want to get a sense. I liked Mansions of Madness a lot. I love Imperial Assault and Descent. I don't know what this is, so I want to see kind of where it lands in that cluster of big box games from uh, FFG. But there you have it. All 15 games at the top of the BGG hotness as of April 15th. 
We'll see how much it changes by next week. All right, so that's everything for this week, but not the end of BGA. Please check out our Patreon account, patreon.com backslash BGA for more BGA content and episodes. Don't forget BoardGamersAnonymous.com, their website with so many written articles. And every night is game night for solo gaming and co-op gaming at its best with Anthony and Jason. So until next time, this is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And we'll save you a seat at the table. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com.